All right. How you guys doing this morning? Woo. Did anybody else besides me cry during the worship set? I bawled. I cried. Yeah. I don't always cry, but when I do, it's always ugly. Yeah. Um, stoked you guys are here. We kicked off this year um, with this new church calling ourselves back to the basics. The basics of the gospel. I like that. Woo! Basics are good. The basics of the gospel purpose and power of who God is and what he's done for every one of us. And what that actually means for us, this new identity we have in Christ as a family of missionary servants. That's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. And, and how does that play out practically on the ground Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as we start to live this gospel truth out in the rhythms of everyday life. What would your life look like if the gospel saturated the very rhythms of your life? That we're, we've, we've talked about this, how, how we are a people formed by stories around us, a story formed people who are always listening and learning. We, we eat, we celebrate. Everyone does these things, but not everyone does them well. Or for the right reasons. But the gospel radically changes that. The gospel doesn't just change your life in some ethereal sense. But it actually changes it on the ground. On your Monday morning. And today, Kenny and I are wrapping up this series. Discussing the final two rhythms. Everyone does in every culture. Blessing and recreating. I want to ask you a question. Food for thought. As we kick this off and and jump into today. How does the gospel inform and transform how and why we bless others and we recreate? And with that thought, we're going to read a scripture in Genesis chapter, chapter 1. And uh, we're reading from the ESV, so if you have your smartphones, we don't discriminate. We don't just say iPhones. We, we allow for other smartphones as well. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through, we're actually going to read the first part of chapter 2 as well, through verse 3. And it says, very familiar passage. Um, If you don't have it yet, you can read it up here on the screen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over everything that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them rested on this, um, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day 
and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Amen. This is God's word. Everyone say bless. Bless. Bless is something that's a part of everyone's life. It's something that's a part of every culture, every time, every people, every place you can think of. It's something that we do in one way or another. And as, uh, as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, today we're talking about how does the gospel and our identity in Christ inform how we bless. Because I believe that the gospel unlocks a whole new meaning and a whole new dimension of what blessing can mean and look like, and how good and how rich it can be in our lives. Um, And so with this rhythm of bless, we say that we intentionally bless others through words, gifts, or actions. We intentionally bless others through words, gifts, or actions. What we do, what we say, what we give. When we bless someone, we want to show... What do you guys think of when we're blessing someone? Just... Every day, like we want to show appreciation for them. We, what's that? Giving. giving. We want to give to them. We want to show goodwill. Hugs, Hugs. not drugs. <laughs> it's something that, we, it, or even just speaking good over someone. I think of just now praying for David before he goes. That was a blessing. We bless him as he goes out. I think of. Uh, a lot of times, like when you hear of a, uh, an athlete who kind of is just making it, or they just got, they got that big contract signed, who do they say they're going to buy a house for first? Mom. Their mom. Yeah. <laughs> Why do they want to do that? It's, it's a blessing, right? It's, it's I want to show you goodwill for all that you've done to me. I want to bless you. There's a bunch of examples that we can think of. And the Bible is full of blessing. And God, over and over throughout the Bible shows his heart that all people on earth will be blessed through Jesus. And that as his body, now our identity as the body of Christ on earth, we believe that we live out this mission as we bless others. That when we bless others, that's one of the amazing ways in which God blesses all people through Jesus. And so as Christians, in the, when we talk about this rhythm... It's really just talking about instead of blessing just being an every once in a while thing, bringing it into the center and saying, how can we intentionally look to bless others? Does that make sense? How can we look for the people that the Holy Spirit would guide me to tangibly bless this week? And when we think about that, what are we going to bless people with? Well, what we have. <laughs> what do we have? We have time. Talent, resources. We all have some of that, right? Everyone, okay. All right, where does that come from? God. I think one thing that's been resonating over and over in my mind for a few months, ever since the first sermon is New City, something that Tom said, when he said that everything that I have, every, everything belongs to God, and nothing I do can ever change that. It's all His. And anything that I have in my life, He's given to me to steward it and to bless others with it. And sometimes we fall into the trap with our talent and our resources and our time. We fall into the trap of believing that it's something that we've earned. 
or something that belongs mainly to us. And therefore, we kind of get entitled to those things or we get it's hard to let go of those things. It's hard to convince ourselves that someone might be worthy of blessing. Right. And all of that comes from this this belief, this temptation sometimes to believe that those things come from me or that I've earned them. And and what is the outworking of that? It it there's pride in our hearts. A lot of times it can lead to greed and selfishness. It causes fights, quarrels, divisions, anxiety. Everyone say yuck. <laughs> but think of the opposite. Think of the opposite that happens when as Christians we see and we believe that all we have is from God. All we have is from God's grace and His work in our lives. It's a gift given to us, not due to our work. It's not something that we deserve. The things in our lives are not things that we've... Yes, we may have worked for and we may have worked to steward them. But everything that's good in our life comes from God. Think of the example of like... um, I know Heidi and I have talked about this before, but just uh, an example we heard at a teaching one time where they talked about just life itself and, and a mother's womb. Like, we didn't, I mean, I know we understand it. We don't really think of it much, like a, a, a baby kind of coming into the womb and developing and all this stuff. But what the heck is that? That's a miracle. <laughs> like, it, it's just kind of every day because we just think of that. But we didn't create that. We couldn't engineer that. You couldn't get all of us to, uh, you know, all the great thinkers and scientists together to, to make up, like, how are we going to, you know, engineer this new human being? I'm sure it would have looked totally different. But even life itself is a gift from God. And when we see that, when we see everything in our lives is a gift from God, when we see that we're blessed in the gospel, we begin to share and selflessly give for the sake of others. And it leads us to acts of service, not selfishness, acts of sacrifice, acts of love towards others. So as uh, Vince read in the, um, in the very beginning of the story, this is the basics uh, series. And so we're sticking with the basics and we're sticking with the very beginning in the garden uh, with Adam and Eve. And when we think of that story, I want you to think of that story. Everything that, that God did speaking the earth and the universe into existence bringing in light, bringing in planets, bringing in land and and trees and seeds and all that, setting up the right amount of food, the right climate, the right temperature, the right percentage of oxygen to breathe. And then he creates man. How much help did they give him? (laughs) No, he, he, he creates everything, sets the stage for them to thrive and live perfectly and then creates man and woman, themselves, and then it says He blesses them. (laughs) That's a lot of blessing, isn't it? That's a lot of blessing. And in the middle of that, if you know the story, if you know the story, um, they struggle to receive that blessing and really latch on to everything around me is more than enough. And everything that God has given me and the identity that He's given me as being made in the image of God 
is more than enough and it's amazing and good and something to be shared and enjoyed. And He gave them rule and dominion over the earth to bless the earth and to bless each other. And yet, how did it go wrong? When it didn't seem like more than enough, they reached for that extra thing. God's withholding the best thing from me. Or I can become more like God. And and it kind of goes all wrong there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) South or east, according to Vince. But when we walk as though everything in our lives is a blessing from God, what kind of fruit does that produce in our lives? More blessings. It's a great example. It kind of opens up a faucet when we pour that out. Yeah. What was that? Right. Right. Right? Yeah. I love what Kenny said, too, that it moves us from this um, position of scarcity and I don't have enough, right? God hasn't put enough in my life to where it should be, where it should be right now. Is that, does anyone relate with that? Um, I, go, I go through a lot of stuff throughout my week and think, well, God, you're just a little bit short here and then there. And then if I just had this, then I'd be blessed enough, Right? But when we realize that everything in our lives God has given us as a blessing to bless others, we turn from that scarcity mindset to that abundance mindset. And we can share and we can give and we know that He's going to provide, that He has provided. Does that make sense? So, um, just a few things before I turn it over to events. One of the most important um, and very significant covenants shows up in Genesis 12. It's called the Abrahamic Covenant, where God blesses Abraham, but He doesn't just bless him to stop with him. He says He blesses him so that through all the world He'll be blessed. Through all the, everyone through the, in the world will be blessed through Him. So it's He's blessing Abraham to be a blessing. And just like Abraham, we've received unmerited favor and provision from God. You know, as we've gone through this series, we've talked about just... The very basic idea, like, what, what is the gospel? What does it mean? How does it affect our lives? And as we hear that, everything in our lives, all the goodness and even the breath that we breathe is not because of anything we've done, but it's because of all that God has done for us in Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. That, that God brings us in to be a part of His kingdom and to live forever with him and to enjoy his presence. I want you to take a second and just think of the thing think of the things in your life and 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 we'll take a second to call them out. But what are some things that God has blessed you with in Jesus Christ? He's blessed you with a job. A community. What is that? Children. God's blessed, blessed us with children. Salvation, right? Rescue from death and brought into life. What else has God blessed us with in Christ? Hope. 
Hope that the way the world is right now is not the way it's always going to be. He's given us hope. What else? The ability to bless others. Which is the next point, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. He's given us a purpose beyond ourselves. It's better than any plan that we could... If we got a bunch of consultants and experts and said, just draft a plan for my life, the one that God has given us is better than that. And when you think of all those things, why do you have that? To glorify God. To glorify God and to be a blessing to others. To what end has God placed that in our hands? To bless others with. To share that. We're blessed not just for our own good, not just to build us up, but we've been given everything that we've been given so that others can receive that. I think a great way of thinking of it is, um, are you a barrel or a conduit? Are you a barrel that's, that's used... See, a barrel is used to store things, right? Nothing is flowing out of a barrel. Right? It's poured into and then it stays. Right? But a conduit, like a pipe or a, like electrical wire and circuit, it's meant for things to go through it. And if that circuit is broken, it's not really serving its purpose. Think about right now. We could have electricity to this building, but if there was something broken in the electrical wiring, or just even if we had the switch turned off, <laughs> we could have electricity flowing towards us all day and not have any light or any heat. Or any air conditioning. But as soon as that circuit is closed or finished or continued, all of a sudden it flows through. And when you think of the blessings in your life, are you a barrel or are you a conduit? Is everything that comes in your life that God pours in your life, do you understand that this, this can be used to bless someone else in some way? Or is it something that gets stored up? And then put away, <laughs> stored in a barrel. So when we think of that, um, I want to I want to charge you guys to to flip that switch, to to turn the barrel over, to let the blessings that God's poured in your life begin to pour out. Um, and and mainly in in two categories, just with each other. When I realize what God has given to me isn't just my own, isn't just for my own good, but it's to bless others through me. All of a sudden, the things in my life, whether it's my house or my car or um, the relationships I have, or the resources and the, the talents that God's given me, whatever it is, all of a sudden it's not just mine anymore. And I can bless other people with that. It goes from like, oh, I wish I had more, or I just I wish I had a vacation home to go to over here. But if we're family, if everything belongs to God, all of a sudden I have vacation homes everywhere on earth. <laughs> because of the kingdom of God. And it gives God's glory. And it gives an opportunity for someone else to bless me. And I have an opportunity to host and to be hospitable and to bless other people. And in the same way, when we think of our culture and our community, His, God's purpose and His intent has always been to have a people that could show what He is like. And as His people, when we realize how much He's blessed us, it lets us turn that over and to bless, to look for ways not just bless whenever it kind of happens, but to look for ways to bless our neighbors and our, the people in our community, their, the fellow students or our coworkers, to ask the Holy Spirit going into the week, going into the week, 
Lord, will you reveal someone that I can bless this week? Through my words, through a gift, or through my actions? Amen. Woo! That's good. Concise and concentrated. I liked it. So let me ask you guys something. How many of you has God blessed with a job? Nice. How many of you enjoy your job? Good. Fewer hands. Why do you work 40 hours like normally of your work week on average, maybe more for some of us? Why do you work? What are some of the reasons we work? Food to provide. What else? Satisfaction, survival, broke, yeah, what, <laughs> I said I'm broke, what you say? growth, okay, nice, what else, I think most of us work hard all week and then what do we do, we work hard and then we play hard, right, what, somebody said something totally different, <laughs> or watch kids, sorry, yeah, Play hard, party hard, or some of us are saving up vacation hours so we can go vacation. Have any of you guys experienced this phenomenon called the I just returned home from vacation and I need another vacation? Yes. Yes? I'm not alone in that. Take a weekend off or a day off and you come back to work and you feel just as tired as when you left on Friday? You'd think in San Diego we would get how to do this right. Like vacation city where the sun is always shining. It's beautiful, right? The the fun never stops. Yet people just, I don't know if you've noticed lately, they seem exhausted. They're angry when they drive. A lady almost killed us this week. We're driving my kids to school and she, like, I'm just going up a hill. It's just a street. There's a driveway here and just, uh, boom. She stops in front of me. I was like, whoa, slammed on the brakes because I was going the speed limit. <laughs> Had a little bit of driving righteousness going on. That, that was not the proper procedure there to pull out in front of me. And she looked at me and started going. <laughs> I'm like, I have the right of way here. She was angry. And you know what? That caused me to want to get angry too. But praise God, the Holy Spirit is stronger than my will because I was about to have some like judgment right there on my horn. But yeah, God, yeah, I didn't, I didn't honk the horn. I just kind of smiled at her. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we won't go too deep into that story. I, in my heart, I wasn't smiling at her, but I faked it until I made it, which is not People are stressed. They have circles around their eyes. How many of hours a week do we work to try to get ahead? And what does that do to our souls? We work hard to get ahead, to, to get some of those things that, that we feel like we get from working. Success, security. And when we don't have it, we fear that we'll never get it, so we work hard to get it. And when we do have it, we fear we'll lose it. So we work hard to keep it. We work hard to maintain our status and other people's perceptions of us. It's like we have this predisposition built in our DNA to earn our worth through our doing. 
But let's remember, in the beginning of the story, it wasn't always that way. This rat race that we find ourselves in. And God creates humans, as we just read in the Scripture, on the sixth day, in His own image. He gives them an identity that's rooted in who He is and what He's done. And He creates them on the sixth day. And the next day, the very first full 24 hours of human existence is the seventh day, the day of what? Rest. So God creates us in our first day alive as humans. To know what it means to be humans is to rest in God's work. It was a day off. Anybody here do the opposite? Work your butt off to earn that day off? It's how we live. But He designed us to rest in His work. Fast forward, the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. God tells Israel, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Why did He put that in there? It's almost like He knew that we would want to work hard at earning and proving ourselves and that we would need this regular rhythm in our lives of reminders to help us that we are creatures of His grace. That He has blessed us with all that we need in Him. This, this rhythm of reminder to restore the balance in our lives, to, to trust Him each week. So let me ask you a question. Why do we so often treat this command of God like it's a suggestion? Why do we so easily blow it off? Can you, can you imagine what if we treated some of the other commandments that way? You know, I really, I need to stop stealing cars. I just, it's just an impulse. It happens every once in a while. I got to boost something, man, you know. I got to quit murdering people, you know. I started watching Dexter and then boom, you know. Like, what if we treated the commands of God that way? It's not a suggestion, it's a command, and it's for your good. It's for God's glory. God commands the Israelites rest, then work out of that restored understanding of who I am and who you are in me. The first day of the week is the day of rest. And in the gospel, like, just like Genesis, right? This new humanity, this new creation... This transformed life we have offers a state of perpetual Sabbath. Non-stop rest in God's finished work. On the cross, Jesus secured some things for you and I, didn't He? Things we could never get for ourselves. What, what are some of the things, when you think of the cross, what are the, some of the things that Jesus Christ secured for you and I that we couldn't earn ourselves? Eternal life. Woo. Salvation, right? Saved from fear, from, from, from death, right? The greatest thing in the world to be afraid of, death, I don't have to fear anymore. Because it's only going to be like a birth into a new life with Him, right? Resurrection. What else? What else? Mm. Entrance into God's presence. Reconciliation with the Father that we were divided from, enemies of. Yet we've been lovingly brought back into the family, adopted by Him. What else? Whoa, that was a lot. Oh yeah, peace? Forgiveness? Yeah. Earn love? 
It's good. We have a new identity, right? Just gifted all the love and favor approval you will ever need. It is yours right now in Christ. You can never get more approval from God than you have right now because of Jesus Christ. How many of you guys find yourself ever working for approval? We're free from that. Is that good news? <laughs> can we do anything, anything, one little bit to add to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? No. Fully provided for. Fully loved and accepted. No more can we cause plants to grow or control the weather outside than we can cause God to love us more than He does. Because of Jesus, we have rest. True rest. Soul, deep down within my soul, rest. No matter what's going on around me. I have rest. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Reading from the message. Are you tired? Worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. That sounds good. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Because God has accomplished everything necessary for our salvation and is the one who will finish the work that He started in us, we can rest. You can rest. Whether it's working, playing, sleeping, or creating, we can rest in His work. And our rest is not only a result of the gospel, but it's a demonstration of the gospel to a watching world, to our co-workers and our neighbors and our friends and our family who are watching. They can see the gospel at work in our life as we rest. This is why we take time to remember. Remember who our God is and what he's done and connect with him and find true rest. But how? How can we do that? How do we find that rest? And, and New City... We, we've discussed this, this rhythm of recreate, resting and creating, resting and creating. We rest in Jesus' completed work on our behalf, and out of that we create value and beauty in the world around us. You can create art and culture, or go to work, or be shipped overseas for seven months, or clean the house and cook a meal without feeling the need to earn God's approval or anyone's approval because it's already yours in Christ. Without feeling a pressure to outperform others because He's control and He knows all and He sees all. And His is the only opinion that really counts. And if He wants you to get that promotion, it's going to happen. He's in control. You don't control it with your work ethic. Without feeling this need to work yourself to death because Jesus already did and you're in Him, God will provide. We have everything we need in Jesus, and He's the creator and sustainer of all of us. And maybe right now you're saying, well, that sounds great on paper. But what would it look like tomorrow for me to go back to work? Am I just going to kick my feet up on my desk and say, hey, the preacher told me I get to rest in work. <laughs> Lazy boy replaces the swivel chair, right? 
So there's th three things that we wanted to point out. One, the idea of rest then work, right? So imagine, like, do you think your day would go better if you spent a little time in the morning reminding ourselves what is true of us in Christ? How dearly loved you are by the Father. How approved of you are. How provided for you are. How secure and blessed you are. And we can rest while we're working, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean the lazy boy, but what, what would it be like if you regularly remembered throughout your day that your performance is not what earns God's favor? You already have it because of Jesus. You don't need anyone else's approval because your cup is overflowing with the approval of a loving Father. And thirdly, you can rest from work. How would your evenings go if you took a moment at the end of the workday to process it all, to thank God for all that happened, the good and the bad, and then took time to kind of leave everything in His care? The stuff that was left unfinished, the conversation that could have gone better, that you're replaying in your head, everything in His sovereign hands. What would it be like to actually return from a vacation feeling rested? Or for a day off to be a day off with God, reconnecting. Letting Him recreate you from the inside. When you believe the gospel, it enables you to truly rest when you're working because you're ultimately trusting God for your security, approval, and provision. And when you believe the gospel, it enables you to truly rest when you're not working. Because you will know that God is always working. You don't have to worry that your lack of work will prevent the world from spinning. The gospel gives you the rest you long for. And out of that rest, you can truly create. You can truly be blessed to bless others. You can truly love. You can truly give of yourself. Because you have the rest that you're longing for. So the final, final thing we want to say about rest is, in some ways, recreating is the most important rhythm. Because if our hearts are not centered on God and His provision, then they are centered on who? Us, right? They're centered on us, our abilities, our strength, our resources. But when our hearts are centered on God and abiding in Him, we will bear much fruit. Our work and creativity will not only be more enjoyable and fruitful, but will be a reflection of the gospel to the world around us. So our statement here at New City Church is this. We regularly take time to rest, play, create, and restore beauty in ways that reflect what God is like to the community around us. So what would happen if all the stuff that... Vince has talked about and I talked about earlier with bless. What would happen if we live like this? <laughs> like, think for me with a minute as 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 you think about, you know, what if I truly saw everything in my life as a blessing from God that I can use to bless others with, and that that gives Him glory. And shows the world what he is like. And and what if I could show the gospel just in going to work? But that there was rest in my heart and not busyness in my heart. Does that make sense? 
I struggle with that a lot. There's a lot of busyness in my heart while I'm at business. <laughs> but how different is it and how much glory does that bring to God and how much of a blessing is that to someone else if they can see someone at rest in their work? And I think as, as we entertain that thought, what if we lived like this? There's a temptation that's common to all Christians is we fall into this trap sometime of almost kind of building a new law for ourselves. And, and we have the gospel and we know that we're saved by grace through faith and that it's by Christ alone and in Christ alone that we have righteousness and that we have hope of eternal life. But some, sometimes we take that amazing gift and then we, we say, well, how does that look if we live it? All right, well, it has to look like this. You have to do this and this and this. And then if you're not careful, we make our own new law, even though the old law couldn't save us. And we trade it for a new law that can't get us anything. <laughs> right? And so we get stuck and then we hear these things like, oh, I want to bless people. I want to rest at work. I want to eat as if it glorifies God. I want to do all these things, but sometimes I fail at it. And then... That just takes the winds out of the sails for all of it. Because you're just reminded that on my own, I can't do it. And that's when we turn it into a new law. But if it's gospel, if it's good news, Jesus did not come to lay another law on you as a Christian. He did not come to lay this... You guys weren't living right last time, so live like this now. And it's all dependent on you. It's dependent on what Jesus Christ has done for us. And this series, we've gone through a lot of that in the last three weeks. We've kind of just really looked at how does the gospel affect the rhythms of our everyday life, right? Because it's amazing news that God didn't come and say, okay, in order to be a Christian, you have to add all these other, this long list of other things and kind of Christian activities to your life. And then this is what's going to, but you know, he wants to come into where you're already living. And where the people that don't know Christ are already living. And to bring the gospel into that. So what if this series wasn't a list of suggestions on how to live better, but more of an instruction and a teaching on how to live and enjoy God's grace to the fullest. Abundant life He's called us to. The good news that we're more frail and broken and sinful than we've ever believed, but we're also more cherished and loved and accepted and enjoyed by the Father than we would ever hope for. Because of Jesus' work on the cross and rising from the grave. The good news, like someone pointed out earlier, that He does have a mission, that He does have a plan for your life. To make disciples of Jesus who make disciples and fill the earth with God's glory. And that the plan that God has for you is so much further thought out and complex and life-giving and joyful than anyone that you could come up with on your own. Or, or that any test could tell you, okay, your personality is this, so this is what you should aim for. The plan that God has for you is better than that. The, the good news that we have an identity, that we have a family, that we have one Father and that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. 
that he's made us missionaries into our world because he was a missionary to rescue us, that he made us servants in his kingdom and to each other and to others because he is the king who served us and brought us into his kingdom. And what if that good news compelled us to action? Not an action that leads to all sorts of adding all sorts of random activities to our schedules, but rather the grace of God that invades our everyday lives. It invades our meals. It invades our celebrations. What if we begin to listen and we experience the joy of listening to the Holy Spirit above all other voices in our life? If the story that forms the core of our being was the story of God, how amazing would that be? Not the story of what happened to me in the past or what someone in authority said to me or what someone did to me. If that wasn't the core of me, but what God says about me in Christ. What if that was the story that formed who I am? What if every meal we had we saw as an opportunity to worship and rejoice God and that He meets our needs? That just like our physical needs get met by food, and not just the needs met, but just the enjoyment of it. That in the same way our spiritual needs are met by Christ. And not just what we need so that we wouldn't die because of our sin, but more than we could ever enjoy, eternal life with the One who made us. What if a meal, what if your 21, hopefully, meals this week reminded you of that and you could invite someone into it? What if your celebrations weren't weren't ways of forgetting about what's gone on in life or getting away from God or getting away from it, but what if it was about remembering how good God has been? And what if we brought that into the celebrations around our culture? Amen? That would be an incredible life. Yeah? That would be an awesome church. I would want to be a part of that church. Here's a <laughs> Vince likes. <laughs> Here's the good news. That is who Jesus calls us. And that amazing life that brings so much joy to our hearts, that's what He's given us. It's a gift. It's a gift to us. It's a gift to those around us. That's what we're called to. And that's what we get to enjoy, enjoy in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're we're wrapping up this this is the the basic series is done. We've wrapped that up and hopefully it was informative and hopefully it was basic. <laughs> hopefully it's a reminder to us as a church and as a culture of just the incredible good news and how Everything, like the gospel and the good news in our lives can affect every single area of who we are and how we act, how we behave, and that we can be a beautiful picture of what God has given to us and display that and declare that to the world around us. So I'm going to pray. And uh, right after I pray, the, the musicians are going to come up. Uh, even, even you can come up now. And we're going to have a time of just worship, time of response to God. A time of worshiping God for just the gift that He's given us in Christ and this life that He's given us and that we have the opportunity to bless other people. And as we do that, we're going to sing. You can pray. You can 
dance. You can have moments of solitude. You can write down all the things that God's blessed you with or pray about who to bless or how you're going to recreate this week. And we have communion to remind us that the bread, and, the bread and wine, the bread and juice remind us of Jesus' body broken for us on our behalf, broken for us in our place. In our place of being broken, He was broken. So we break the bread and partake of that and rem- remind ourselves of that. And instead of our blood being poured out for sin, His blood was poured out. And so the juice here reminds us of that. And so go, go, with, go with a group, go with a spouse, go and enjoy that in communion. And, and um, there's also opportunities to give because of what the gospel does in our heart. It changes us and it turns those things, those blessings that come in our life from a barrel to a conduit. And so we believe giving is a part of worship. And so we're going to enter into a time of worship after I pray. And I just encourage you to, to really, to let God speak to you during that time. We've gone through a lot. This has been a two-month series. And I know you may have been here for all of it. You may have been here for some of it. You may have been here for none of it. Except for today. <laughs> but let this time of worship be a time of remembering the things we've gone over. And remember, let's just let the gospel wash over you. Let the good news of Jesus Christ wash over you. Because when we have that at our hearts, we become the most celebratory, the most blessed the most restful, the most joyful people on the planet is an amazing gift from God. Amen? All right, if you guys would stand with me, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that uh, just that you encourage us in the everyday things, Lord, in the, in the normal and almost even mundane areas of our life, Lord, that when your grace affects us, that those become amazing opportunities to see your glory, God, and to share your glory. And and Jesus, I pray right now for your church that's here. I pray that you would remind us, Lord, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light, and that you have come that we might have life and that more abundantly. That the enemy has come to steal and kill and to destroy. Lord, and then when we follow the enemy and the lies of the enemy, we become selfish and self-centered and self-serving and self-seeking. But Lord, when you change us, Lord, when you get a hold of our hearts, it changes everything. Lord, and I pray that this church would be a changed church. I pray that we as a people would be a changed church people, that we at our core would know that our identity is in you, Jesus. I just pray over this time of worship. I pray that people would give, I pray that people would give their hearts to you. And whether that's for the first time, Father, I pray that that would happen, Lord. I pray that someone would be compelled to be baptized, Lord, as they think about the good that you've done in their life. I pray that we would just enjoy you during this time. In Jesus' name.